Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for December. Jingle, 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 jingle. It is coming up to potentially being the last couple of shows of 2018 because sometimes I need to have a break. I need to have maybe a sit down, maybe in a cafe, have a little bit of a relax, have a cup of coffee, maybe play a couple of board games. So if I was going to be doing that, I might go to like maybe a pop-up board game cafe. If I was yeah, going to be there. doing that, I might end up speaking to Kenny Lee from the Dice ah, Row Cafe. Very smooth. I like how you, you like did that? that. The transition is seamless, I must say. Straight, and you just ruined it's it like by you... telling it. <laughs> <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing? I'm all right, yeah. Good. I'm doing pretty well. Good. Pretty busy. Good. That's a good thing. That's that's so fantastic. That's and fantastic. it's nearly Christmas, so yeah. It is. It's in fact it's like, you know, it is pretty much a week today. Pretty much. You it's, know? Yeah, when you say it like that, I I feel like I'm not that prepared, but ah, it'll happen. <laughs> Everything'll be fine. Everything will be fantastic. Um to everybody who's out there, hello. The reason that we do this is because there's quite simply not enough podcasts out there exactly. where we talk to Kenny. <laughs> and the second <laughs> reason the second reason that we're doing this is because um, I spoke to Kenny a while ago and said, <laughs> do you got to come on the show? And he said, yeah, let's come on the show. And then there was technicalities and then so we rescheduled. So this and is technically isn't it? This is technically Mark. This is this is kind of like the sequel, but the better bits. In it's about like, like yeah, ten years time, they'll dig out the first recording, and it'll be like it'll be one of the internet myths. It'll be like um, you've been framed. More like we'll be putting that on there, <laughs> 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 like hoovering in the background, and yeah, the, the infamous audio issues and just that's uh, an- that's an in joke that only me and you will have. Viruses. Oh, and the Hoover. <laughs> typical Saturday night. Um, we're here. To, <laughs> we're here to talk about. Um, we're here to talk about the kind of. I, I mean, it's close to the kind of like the. We talk to designers. We talk to developers. We talk to kind of um, the guys that do the manufacturing. We speak. To, we've spoken mm. to artists. I've mm-hmm. spoken to guys that do the retail side of it. I've spoken to guys that do the distribution side of it. Yeah. You're in this kind of almost like the ambassador type space, except without the Ferrero Rocher. Yeah. Because... A, a pyramid of chocolate, <laughs> I think, is, is a, a pretty cool distinction, if ever. So There you go. Um, you are I'll the... take it. I'll take it. <laughs> You are you're the you're the golden pyramid of chocolate balls. I like that. I like that. In the yep. board in the board game restaurant of life that I don't want to say anything else. Um <laughs> I mean obviously one of the things we like to do, obviously why do I keep saying it? Do you know what? I listen back to me talking and I say obviously an awful lot, like it's like it's obvious that what I'm saying is obvious and I realise it's just nonsense. <laughs> Um, I think there's nothing wrong with uh, underlining everything you say with with a a kind of a moniker, a, a word, a distinction like that. Yeah, but when obviously, you obviously it makes obvious sense. It's like one of those like things. That. If you, it's one of those words that if you repeat endlessly, it ends up sounding ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So if you keep saying obviously, obviously, try it. You can do it with anything. Try the word it's car. Like, 
Sounds ridiculous. Fetch. It's like the more you say it, it, it stop trying to make it happen. Well, I'm going to make it happen. It's <laughs> so fetch. It's so fetch. It's so fetch. That's going to fetch. Is going to fetch. Is going to be one of these things. That's, I'm, if I have to do it by my own bare hands, it will become a thing because it has to be a thing. <laughs> Definitely has to be a thing. How did you get into the hobby, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> Woo, that was a. <laughs> that was a, a massive, massive side swipe kind of swerve of the car. I've just like held on for dear life and now we're straight again. Okay, um, I got into the hobby, I think mostly, the, probably it's a, a common um, a common story, but mostly because I am a, a board gamer. I play lots of board games. I used to play a lot of board games um, in uni, in my 20s, and as... I think with a lot of people, as I got a bit older, then your hobbies kind of uh, take a more prominent role within your daily life. And then you get this crazy, stupid idea to kind of turn it into something a wee bit um, more kind of public and more shady. And that's essentially, I think that's the reason why Um, I'm a board gamer at heart. What was the first kind of games you played? Do you remember? Um, it was, I think, well, back in the early 2000s, it would have been things that were kind of uh, familiar to most people, kind of the franchise era of, like, um, film. So, like, Risk, Lord of the Rings, I seem to remember a lot of really late nights playing that with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um and I suppose they were in they were into Warhammer and Magic as well, which I kind of observed because I was I didn't really have a collection of my own in either of those. But uh, again, it it did feature within late night gaming and stuff. Um, uh, so did you just I, play then? Did you just like folk were bringing like the Warhammer stuff, and you were like, "Yeah, give me some of those Ultramarines over here, and I'll, you know, I'll have a shot." I was them. never give me some dice. I was, or yeah, I was never competent enough to ever kind of um, play any campaigns or anything. But I observed them playing a lot, and I, I to be honest, I did paint. I think I painted a little kind of trip of uh, orcs. But, oh, right. uh, okay. Just because you know that's what you do, isn't it? You, you, um, everybody tries painting them, and they find out that they're quite talentless. So yeah, <laughs> a very common story. <laughs> it's always when I did painting. It's always kind of like um, I just ended up looking like um, I'd basically taken my paintbrush and dipped it in the paint, yeah. and then I'd taken the model, moved it about six feet away, and then chucked the brush. Yep. at the model and tried to hit it because it was always big splurges of stuff to the point that I ended up kind of repainting a lot of the stuff just like basic yeah. colours because it was just like this is a disaster I can't I never got my head around washes and like I know. getting not getting your th- thumbprint on things I mean now they have like <laughs> they have like stuff, holders eh? that are like seem really cool but um, back in the day um, I had a lot of Grubby paw prints all over mine. They did not look very good. So I have a lot of admiration for people who actually have a lot of skill for that. But yeah, and it's the detail that they do as well. 
because they kind of like they kind of like and they're they're always really really humble and it's not like they're showing off they're genuinely no. don't think they're kind of like good at this so what do you think of this and they unleash something that they've you know they've it's a complete artistry and like I know. how they're able to paint shadow like make a, like some sort of metal effect on what is essentially just matte paint is just it it blows my mind sometimes it's um is it Ben from the Unlucky Frog, he does a lot of painting. And do. he's, yeah, he does, he does. And he puts some of his stuff on Facebook and, and shout out to, to them at the Unlucky Frog because they're our, they're our Scottish podcast cousins. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I know, but the stuff he puts on Facebook is like, oh, I've just been painting this. I just like took, you know, just been throwing this together. And you're just looking at it and going, you're amazing. Yeah, you're amazing. That's amazing. I have a lot of respect. And it's just like little highlight stuff, and he's like getting the dips in, all the flesh colours nice, and everything looking kind of looks shadows and perfectness. Like this is a little computer graphic. So, hats off to anybody who can kind of paint like that because I think he does competitions and stuff. So he's always kind of so like to- at the forefront of these things. So it's just pretty, it's pretty kind of cool. You, you, you kept your co- collection kind of up. So did you? Did you start going into when did you start kind of going into the kind of the heavier collecting of the games yourself? Then was that something that you started kind of quite recently, or have uh, you been building up over kind of like a number of years? A long, I suppose, uh, along my larger picture timeline, I would say it was kind of middling. I I didn't have that many games like bought by myself, like, you know, owned on a shelf. Um, my friends had collections, so um, they had much more games. They owned much a lot more games than I did. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were the ones that kind of were, I was lucky enough to know, and they were the people that brought games that introduced me to um, kind of newer styles of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um uh so yeah i mean i they i took i took um action from their them starting their collections really so um i yeah i didn't have that much money but um and i suppose i took you know in in recent years took that step myself and committed a lot of my own kind of like expendable income to like um growing my collection and mm-hmm. i suppose it's just snowballed over the past three nearly four years what was the first game you bought do you remember what was the first game that you kind of really kind of took pride and buying yeah yeah hmm. uh... i've never heard of that game how do you spell it? <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting game, wouldn't it? You know. Um, uh, I don't know. For me, I remember watching a lot of Dice Tower and taking a lot of their sort of like recommendations on. Mm-hmm. So I remember like looking up. Um, I remember looking up. Um, blank five tribes i remember buying that and being like okay yes this is like pure unadulterated kind of like um 
Euro gaming strategy. This is it. Doing I'm a, it. I'm a board gamer I don't know now. Much about, I don't me. know much about this title, but it's been recommended to me by um, Z Garcia. I'm going to take it. And, the, yes. and I loved it. I, I really liked it. So maybe that's one of the more distinct ones. I don't think that's that old a memory, though. So, um, But it's distinct enough that I remember taking a chance on a very unadulterated Euro-style board game and really loving it. Was there, is there a style that you go for in terms of games? I mean, did that help forge your style? Did you kind of stay with the Euro stuff? Or did you kind of did you kind of like say, well, just was it a case you were quite willing to kind of like try kind of other genres, other mechanics, and stuff like that? Did you end well, up building up quite a wide kind of different collection? So I suppose if if we say that my early board gaming started with like Risk, that's like unadulterated sort of like you know, Ameri trash. It's a bit of a weird term that but like you know people use it so like you know um personally player to player conflict uh that's when i still really like that uh we started playing more euro type games i remember playing things like pandemic when it came out and you know obviously carcassonne and things like these were the kind of the classics that we played early on and I really liked that style and then we played stuff like Relic and uh, Battlestar Galactica which yeah. were more involved plays and more kind of like um, deep kind of player-player interaction um, and longer strategies and longer you know kind of long longer length games with kind of uh, long-term payoffs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So those things always fascinate me. But I do also remember playing uh, a lot of, I think, yeah, when Cards Against Humanity was just a downloadable game, I remember downloading that and printing, print, uh, print and play. A free print, yeah. print and play, I remember that, and it wasn't, it wasn't published as a physical game, I don't think. And we printed it and we cut it out and we played it and maybe we started doing a lot more social games and that's an ass that's a genre or style of game that i probably do take a wee bit of time and effort to um buy a lot of now for um dice roll for the dice roll collection because for me that that style is probably an probably like an easier sell for casual people so that that, to be honest i mean i've covered a lot of distance here i'm probably like a really kind of uh, omnivoric sort of like grazing person that really does enjoy a diversity in a diet you know you're a cow i'm a cow (laughs) well no they don't um, they're not omnivores are they I'm like a, not, no. a raccoon. raccoon a little weird looking trash panda <laughs> who like loves Those... to rummage in Boy, people's trash. And... Oh no way, I'm going too far with this. 
yeah, analogy, I'm just taking but I do I'm just, like and I, do you know what? I'm just letting you run away with it because it's fantastic, and it's just like when the lady goes off into Can the garbage. Trash ban, trash panda of Glasgow board gaming. There you go. That's. I mean, that go. has to be on a t-shirt now. Trash panda. <laughs> that has to be on a t-shirt now. Um, when you were, I mean, dice roll itself. When did that come about? Because. I see people go in different ways of doing things because uh-huh. obviously you get like say um, you get people going and saying right I've got an idea for a retail establishment like Shaz yeah mm-hmm. settlers. and you know settlers yeah and they went ahead and they kind of like put together you know they set built settlers out of nothing got mm-hmm. it established turned it into a full kind of retail premises but yeah, as I say, you're kind of like more kind of like the ambassador type of thing, as in it's probably you do as an, as I say, a really, really important job to kind of help people maybe get into the hobby, which aren't getting into the hobby. And by you saying to me that, you know, you concentrate a little bit on the social gaming, that also suggests to me that that's kind of potentially a modus yeah. operandi but what I mean what made what made what made you make the decision to say right actually I'm going to start something up but it wasn't going to be retail mm. I was going to start something up which was almost like um, experience based mm-hmm. if you know what I mean I mean yeah, that's, totally. that's what I would call you I mean that's if I wouldn't say you're a retail because it's I'm almost a, like a peddler of moments <laughs> I a trash panda of moments. Trash panda, yeah. Trash like panda like peddling of moments. That's gonna you're gonna need a bigger t-shirt. You potentially need a scarf. A scarf, yeah. Um, Perfect for a scarf. But then, what made you decide? Actually, um, I'm gonna say. I, I mean, I've got these games now. What I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna go ahead and actually put something together, an event. Was it a case where you thinking about just like putting together a one-off event or did you plan from the very beginning that this was going to be something that was going to be a regular thing? I mean, how did it kind of come about? Um, I think it's true. And to, to my vision and to me, maybe to my understanding of what I've been doing for the past uh, th- three, nearly four years, I'd say it is true I that I kind of want to do that whole um, ambassadorial kind of um, thing. I think because I'd, I'd by that point been um, enjoying the hobby so much and getting so much of it, uh, uh, so much out of it myself that I kind of like looked at it and was like this is like such a rewarding activity to do and I feel much healthier and much much um, more happier doing this on a regular basis gaming with my friends that I just can't believe that there's not not more people that do this and that it's not like a regular mainstream sort of activity to do and I, I think I wanted to kind of spread the world word a wee bit like it sounds mm-hmm. a wee bit evangelical <laughs> a wee bit uh, sort of like I have the gospel and whatever and I, you must hear my words and uh, if, you, if you hear my words and you hear my rules explanations oh you're going to join Can me I... at this uh, kind of altar of cardboard and just 
plastic cubes. I feel I need to jump in here before you say something completely, you know. But no, I mean, no, I totally get where you're coming from because, and I say this, and we've had, I've had conversations about this in the past, that if you're outside the hobby, how easy is it to get involved in the hobby? Once you're in the hobby... Yeah, I think it's really addictive. <laughs> it's like um, it's like going on holiday, and the pool's not heated. And when I have to explain that <laughs> if you're sitting, there, bear with me, because this this might this metaphor just might work. This okay. analogy just cool, might cool. work. Okay, Continue. if you're standing at the pool and the sun's beating away mm-hmm. on your back and you're feeling lovely and warm, mm-hmm. and you go and test. The temperature of the pool. Now, the temperature of the pool is the board gaming hobby, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you stick your foot in just very yeah. quickly and very, you're going to get a shock. It's going to be, oh, this is this is cold. This is quite scary. I'm not sure about this, right? Yeah. But once once you take your time, and depending on if you use the gateway games of also known as the steps mm-hmm. into the swimming pool, uh-huh. once you get used to being in there. You've then got the entire swimming pool to swim about in. You're right; it is a rubbish analogy, but I'm, you know, I put an awful lot of effort into this as in all five seconds in my no, head. No, I, I like it, and I, I think I know where you're going with it, isn't it? Is it once you're in there? Uh-huh. It's you like an ex- deep. It's an ex- it's an experience, you know. Once you're in there, it's enjoyable. It's fun. You forget about. You know the inti- you know maybe the how intimidating it was at the beginning. Because let's face it, if I went and shown say a friend at work, if I said to them, "Okay, here's a list of kind of like um, here's a list of all the board games that were announced for 2018," mm-hmm. and once they got to like page you know 16 or mm-hmm. 72 or whatever, yeah. can you imagine saying, "Okay, what game would you like to play?" They'd have absolutely kind of no idea. Yeah. It is like I, I would say board gaming is quite easily a very overwhelming uh, idea to a lot of people. Like I, de- I definitely, I will admit that along the way over the past three to four years, I have lost a lot of uh, people, <laughs> okay. and the the points at where I've tried to introduce somebody to a. The board gaming hobby, and I, I, I started off too deep, or I started off from the wrong angle. Like, I have uh, learned slowly and eventually, and, and I'm generally successful now, but not not hundred percent. But like, you know, like generally, I'm quite successful in introducing mm-hmm. people in the right way. Because actually, uh, as much as I think that there's like a wide appeal to board gaming and the styles of gaming um, you really have to kind of have a good idea about what exact angle or trajectory to kind of approach board gaming mm-hmm. with the individual you're dealing with like often people uh, especially if they're casual they'll kind of come along to um, dice roll with the idea that they kind of have enjoyed board games before, uh, but they don't know that much, or um, they've got a limited uh, experience with a uh, with um, a limited number of titles, and you do have to kind of ask them a few sort of questions to start off with, like what what sort of 
games do you like already? And and you will get such an, a, a unique and individual answer from a lot of people. Um, but normally the best way is to like ask them about like, yeah, what did they enjoy? What specific memory? Did, why did they come along? And they'll normally tell you a story about how their friend plays this game and they liked it and um, they wanted to know more. And I'll normally try and base my recommendations up uh, on what they tell me. And I suppose, like, I'm trying to, like, to continue the the pool analogy, I'm kind of, like, trying to get them to kind of walk a wee bit further in the shallows. Like, they've, they've already maybe dipped their toe in the water mm-hmm. um, and they're intrigued and they want to go, they want to go and swim out, out off the shore a wee bit. They want to go a wee bit deeper and they want to, because people say it's lovely in there. And I suppose I'm just trying to coax them a wee bit further and kind of tell them routes at which they can approach the deeper water because I think it is often about keeping close to what your your initial um, feelings are, your initial in, like types of gaming that you like. Yeah. Holding on to that initial... And you might find you might enjoy a really uh, a big difference in or a big range of genres but I think sticking to what you do know is a good way to get in a wee bit further no totally I think that um, and I was I think I was talking about this um, very recently about um, because somebody being in the in the board game hobby or starting in the board game hobby doesn't necessarily mean they're going to like the same board games yeah. as you. Uh-huh. And I think uh, you, you can't assume that everybody who everybody who starts in the hobby is going to instantly going to be moving from playing, you know, Love Letter and you give them six months down the line and they've just, you know, they're bragging how about they just spent, you know, 11 and a half hours playing Eclipse or mm-hmm. um, Twilight Imperium 4 or something like that. You know, I don't yeah. think, I think was, I'm not to be honest, I'm not that type of person who would probably sit down and play Twilight Imperium Four or play Eclipse. You know, the idea, mm-hmm. the idea of spending an entire game day kind of like enthralls me and interests me, and, and in some ways, you know, intrigues me to actually see what that's like. Um, but I know it's potentially something that might not happen due to you know, life and, and other mm. things kind of getting in the way. So, you know, mm-hmm. while I might like it to do so, I, I kind of stay with, I stay within certain ranges of games, which I know I can play within two or three hours. Yeah. Quite I, easily, you know. I definitely feel like um, I have learned that people definitely have their preferred, like, limitations. Like, of course... If somebody has fun, like they can surprise themselves and play for a much longer game or a longer time. But <laughs> often people will just drop in for a couple of hours uh, at dice roll, even though we were there for like the whole day. You know, like we start at one normally, and then we're on till like the pub closes. You know, people are still playing at half past eleven up to twelve. You know, like <laughs> and some people spend the whole day there, and that's great. And uh, they have so they get so much out of the day, but there's some people that do just pop in for a few hours. They they hit their maximum, and they never really play 
like massive involved games that last that whole time, but they're they're happy just you know paddling with like pretty um, easy casual games, but they'll get a lot done, you know, like, and then there'll be people who like to, who who hunt out, like, a, a good three-hour game or four-hour game, and they'll, they'll mm. do two or three of these during the, the whole day. Mm. So, I mean, like, that's one thing that I witness is a big diversity in uh, gaming styles and gamer types and personalities, I suppose. Yeah, uh, definitely. How did you get on the venue, then? I mean, how did you how did you manage to secure that? Because, I mean, as I guess as again, it's a difference between you know me going to say a dwarf on a Friday, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it's the count. You know, it's a it's a community hall owned by the council. The club rents out between you know f- you know five o'clock and nine o'clock, depending on what's happening, and then everybody disappears. I mean. Again, obviously going back to the vision that you originally had, mm-hmm. did you have to search around kind of like a few venues in order to get something that would, um, you know, was going to fit, was going to be right for you? Um, I, I didn't really need to hunt around for me. I was, when I started off, I was quite um, flexible about it, or at least I was, mm. I was willing to kind of just compromise and just see it was at that time there wasn't um there wasn't too many things on that were similar i mean there was there's regular gaming groups on but um in a way i was kind of like trying to do something else as well like so for me i was like fairly uh, willing to compromise on things and I suppose I was just speaking to a few friends of mine and they knew um, somebody who was, well, one of my friends really, um, uh, she, Lisa, she worked at um, Saramago, so in the Mm. cafe bar in the CCA and she was like, well, you know, if if you can't find somewhere, you know, you're always kind of maybe welcome to come and see, you know, what space we have there and I was kind of familiar with it, but um, going to visit, investigating the place, I, I knew that that vibe had been there before, and I knew the vibe of the CCA and Saramago is is very chill. Like they're really nice people, everybody who works there, and as a cultural art center, it had that sort of uh, dynamic sort of uh, diversity there that was kind of accepting and that was like kind of up for it you know mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and they had that space up and upstairs in the cafe bar in Saramago which was like which has like a separate little um, it has like a little function room at the back but it also has like all that bar around the front mm-hmm. and it it gave me a space that I could kind of imagine a setup in the back and then if we had if we were busy enough we could always kind of spill over to the bar so it was a flexible enough space uh, in my head and it, it did it does work and it works perfectly now actually for for the scale that we uh, f- for the scale of the dice rolls that we do and for the people that come it's a really flexible friendly space and um, it also 
you know, Sarmigo have a very good reputation in terms of like uh, food. You know that they serve a very robust and very tasty uh, vegan menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bar upstairs itself isn't vegan, but the kitchen is downstairs, which is okay. where they, they make the food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like that idea that this is a place or a venue that had a certain um, reputation when it came to what, f- like, if two food to being a place that is already popular with a certain crowd mm-hmm. that um, maybe like gamers would be interested in combining those two things like gaming i think the, the first year or so we kind of like as a as a kind of um tag to it all it was like good food and good gaming and good company essentially um it was like that sort of like trifecta of what makes a, a great long uh you know, a, a great Sunday afternoon or Sunday day. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, those three things. And that just because you like games, it means that doesn't mean that you can't be sociable and like to hang out and have good food and good beers and good uh, drinks, you know, like it's, I think for me, uh, gaming was complementary to that as well as being key and it's like this kind of Venn diagram of, of what a perfect, well, what a really good Sunday is for me <laughs> or like spending time with friends and eating yeah. well and gaming, you know, like I think maybe that was what I, I wanted to create in that venue in, in San Diego. Did you have to do a lot of advertising? I mean, do you remember the first one that you did? I mean, was it did you have to do a lot of kind of um, kind of noise creation, making people aware of what was happening? And I mean, how did the first one? How did the first one go that you ran? Um, I'm trying to actually think about um, how many people came. Uh, I think it was it was moderate. You know, it was it was like it, I don't think it was like a Oh no! Well, no way. We I think we got like a pretty, um, like a pretty good um reaction. I think like when I created the event on Facebook, I think we did actually get over like a hundred people saying that they would come, which is like a fantastic response. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I think I think what I did was I just started the page with a quite a distinct sort of um. Like aesthetic style or branding to it that was yeah. clearly something that was um, thought out, that was colourful, that was... Uh, I did like take photos pr- prior to having our first um, dice roll of like my own friends playing games and I did choose things that were kind of um, the you know, games that were kind of familiar to me as a gamer, but also games that I knew were familiar with a, a lot of broader audience. And I do, I, I remember, um, I remember quite uh, considering, a, uh, thinking about a lot about what sort of strategy I would take to convincing casual people to come from the offset. So for me, that was like a quite a clear visual uh, branding to that certain sense, you know, like the pink and the color and the and the 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 nice photos, you know, like I wanted it to be uh, to to have a certain language that was familiar to people that 
like to go out and do like things like go out and have meals and meet up with people and stuff like that so I think with that um, decided upon early on I think the response was pretty good like the um, I didn't I don't I think I shared it a lot with um, kind of existing gaming groups mm-hmm. um, I think Sarmago Sar and the CCA shared as well um, but I think at that point, board gaming was 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 kind of booming, and in a way, it was at the right time that I started doing it. So, um, have you I let it kind of grow? Response. Have you let it kind of grow organically? Then, I mean, have you have you let it kind of grow its own kind of arms and legs, and kind of form its own kind of identity and how generally a day a day runs was it a case of kind of like let's kind of see what happens as opposed to right everybody gather around because between one and two we're going to be playing uh you know we're going to be playing love letter or we're going to be you know we're going to be playing one night a werewolf was it did you have to almost kind of like see how the first couple of times went and has it settled into kind of its own its own kind of pace and its own identity without you having to kind of mould it if you know what I mean yeah I, I, I would definitely say that um, I kind of uh, take a bit of a backseat with it you know like I don't really I try and put on I, I try to organise like maybe like a large a social game in the evening as like a, a bit of like a cap off to the to the day but I generally just let things take over like I, I'm uh, I mean I've had like a, a few really amazing people over the years who've helped me out like Alex and uh, Lawrence mm. and things like that mm. uh, but it's generally been like something that I've been like the the kind of sole organizer too so resource wise as far as what i'm able to do myself i've not really been able to do that much hands-on things certainly not on the day you know like you're there Mm. and there's like you know 50 60 people sometimes there and i i I try my best to kind of say hi to people when they come in and then help people who are uh, there for the first time or like people who need some rules explanations but you know I'm just one person so uh, I I definitely kind of maybe out of necessity just kind of rely on it just taking over and just happening without me to, mm-hmm. to be honest I don't think gamers really need much guidance you know maybe maybe people who, who are, are, are there for the first time just as a reassurance but even then people like very quickly find uh what works for them so okay i, I don't i don't um interfere too much okay uh, it's like a very natural process i mean if people are having fun they'll keep doing what what makes them happy and i mean fast forward to now i mean um i mean well i mean earlier this year um you were you ended up kind of being involved in kind of tabletop scotland um, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. you were involved there. Um, there was kind of like a bit of drama 
around that. It was a yeah. kind of a, a kind of a last a last minute because um, was it your the games library that you have? You mm-hmm. store you stored it at the the art college. Is that is that kind of right? Yeah, uh, not at the art college. It's it's uh, the majority of it is it stay it stays in um, the San Diego um, oh, right, bar. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, it it wasn't in art school, thankfully, but you know it's close enough to art school that when the art school fire happened in June, it had like a a much larger. It had a big impact on uh, the buildings around it, and because the CC and particularly the cafe bar, like, um, kind of looks directly opposite. It was kind of well within the exclusion zone. The um, the the fire and um, building control and the council kind of um, excluded the city blocks that kind of surrounded that large um, fire Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so the CCA um, was kind of closed as a building uh, for months and months nearly nearly five like four and a half months Um, they they didn't let anybody enter the building uh, just because of the, the danger of you know, um, the art school kind of like collapsing and kind of like, uh, you know, like someone getting hurt from that and yeah. things. So that that was the reason why we didn't have the um, the library um, available for Tabletop Scotland. Yeah. Um, okay. But but thankfully, it, it all kind of worked out for the first year. You know, um, Darius from Uncon and all around the board came to the rescue and drove his entire collection. Of hundreds of games, um, all the way from Kent up to uh, Perth, and it, it worked really well. Um, I operated the library on the weekend, and um, w- with some help uh, from Lawrence and um, um, uh, the guys from Uncon as well, including Darius, um, and that was a, a really big success. And um, uh, well, thankfully, I'm, I'm going to. I've been invited back to doing. The second year, so this coming end of August, I'll yeah. be back running the library. So that's that's something to look forward to. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, what's the future? I mean, if you do, you do kind of do you sell games at all then, or is it just purely kind of the you know you, you sell obviously the food sold at the time? Do you? I mean, where do you make the money from? Do you do kind of any type of retail? For the dice roll cafe at all? So as of as of yet, we've not really ever sold anything, except like the wee library admission uh, that we have. So like Sarmigo, uh, I suppose as as part of the arrangement, they take all the kind of the drinks and the food mm-hmm. kind of uh, revenue um, for hosting it. I mean that's that's uh, fair and right for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really just uh, kind of. Just take that uh, two pound admission um, to kind of use the library, and then use that money to kind of reinvest into the upkeep of the library and like buy a, a new game once in a while. So yeah. I mean that's worked out fine, you know, over the past three, uh, four years. Um, it's it's allowed us to kind of like really um, expand the collection. It's grown like a huge amount. Uh, well, um, a lot 
a lot of that is my own games, like just me buying games that I like as well. So that's part of the reason. But certainly the admission really does help to kind of upkeep it and uh, buy some resources here and there. But um, I suppose it's it's not really a a business model. Really, it's 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 definitely I would say like a bit of a a, a passion project for me. Um, not to say that in the future we won't try to, but I mean we we've done other things. Going back to what you said about like the experience, sort of like like making experiences, we have done like a couple like as part of that whole sort of pop up identity. We have done like a few pop up events. So previously, when we've done gaming days in Fika, that which is unfortunately now closed, it's a cafe that uh, that used to run in Partick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have done like um, dining um, events, so hopefully in the next year we'll be doing a few of those. If people wanted to, you know, like look out for that. And normally these are kind of like yeah, straight up kind of experience evening evenings where you can like eat and. Uh, drink and kind of like play games hosted by myself and things like that but normally they'll be like designed around like a really distinct or really kind of immersive theme mm-hmm. um, the, the ones that we did two years ago at FICA were um, Facebook kind of uh, werewolves kind of gothic evenings uh, I was, that was a project that I was really proud about because it was kind of like a bit of a gamble for myself just doing by myself yeah, and uh, the feedback we got was like really amazing. People really, really enjoyed it, and uh, they they have subsequently asked when I was doing it. But because I was doing it by myself, it was it was actually really exhausting <laughs> and really, really stressful to do. But um, we'll hopefully try and do that this year. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Cool. I mean, as as I say, it's not. It's not like it, it is, as you say, it's like a passion project. It's like kind of all the people creating content out there. It's like all the people that are doing kind of like you know the podcasts and the videos, and you're just another, you know, another person that's helping kind of spread the word of you know mm. how mm. how interesting the hobby can be. I guess yeah. continuing an analogy, helping people kind of jump in the pool. Um, in terms of obviously, uh, it's very it's. As we said at the the opening of the show, it's very very close to when the fat man comes down the chimney. Um, that's that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, that is a nice way to put it. Um, is there anything that you would like to, you know, have on your Christmas list? You know, if there was three games that you could have, and they could be any games at all, what's it you would like to add to your collection, Kenny? Uh, I almost feel like I don't, I really should not ask for it anymore <laughs> because I've got like several games I've not played. So really, maybe as a request, I would like maybe make a wee wish to say that could I get like a day off where I can like actually pull out these games and properly play them? Of course you can. Uh, recently, <laughs> recently I got um, Cerebria. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is the That's same really guys, yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, but I've I, it's sat on in in my um, flat and it's it's not being played. And <laughs> I would just like to like 
really just sit down and properly like investigate it and play it because it's such a pretty game and there's like so many um games that I own that I've not been able to play because I mean, working full-time and then doing organising dice rolls, I've had to actually sacrifice a lot of personal gaming time. Um, So, yeah, and uh, there's lots of really interesting Kickstarter rewards that I've gotten over the past few months that are just being left unplayed. So, um, yeah, that would would be my request, yeah. Time. (laughs) And... um... Where can people find you on the internet webs if we want to find you, Kenny? Um, if you want to, just, I suppose, we operate most of our kind of uh, stuff on um, Facebook. So if um, we have a Facebook page, um, it's under Dice Roll Cafe. Um, you could probably uh, find us, well, you'll find us on Twitter under uh, um, Dice Roll Cafe. It's all under Dice Roll Cafe, so really on, on Instagram you could find us. Um, we do have a website under construction. I've been the one that's responsible for it also. Like, I've not really managed to finish it, but hopefully I'll be wanting to like maybe publish a few like just like conversation piece articles or uh, blog entries on the website in the coming year. Um, uh, you could probably just find us on... Um, Every Saturday, um, physically, you could pop into Sarmago at CCA. So just pop into the Sucky Hall. Um, uh, I think it's 350 Sucky Hall Street. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I would encourage everybody to do because um, resources like the um, CCA, the Centre of Contemporary Arts, are things that uh, have really um, suffered over the past year and really just kind of footfall and people coming and visiting the um would be really amazing uh, and yeah I think cool. we shouldn't be too hard to find <laughs> excellent well what we'll do is we'll make sure that we put all those uh, links in the show notes so that we have notes to show um, awesome. if you want to find out where we are then go to the internet webs and You'll find us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards and Facebook at We're Not Wizards and Instagram at We're Not Wizards. Um, we're still on Tumblr, but RIP Tumblr. Um, oh, yeah. We're still, <laughs> we're still um, we're on our website, which is We're Not Wizards.com, and our blog, which is We're Not Wizards.blogspot.com. You're also going to find us on all the podcast catchers like uh, Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and all those fabulous, wonderful places. As we say, if you like what you've listened to tonight, and Kenny's been a fascinating guest to speak to, then... Well, thanks. Tell somebody else. Yeah, spread the word. Spread the word. If you like us even more, then go into Apple Podcasts and can drop us a subscription. If you like us even more than that, and it's Christmas time, for goodness sake, and it's my birthday on Friday, Oh, then go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating or drop us a review. If you are going to give us a rating or review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us one star because it makes us cry. And I am getting old, and every time I have a frown, it does get these crow's feet a little bit deeper, and we don't want that, do we? Well, no, I give us I a five. A little bit of history would be good. But yeah, a good, <laughs> give us a comfortable five. score. Maybe seven, that's good. 
No, give us a five because it's in the oh. middle and it's average and we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average today is a rather wonderful, rather fantastic Mr. Kenny Lee. Oh, thanks very much. You're very, you, very welcome. You're just a butter, buttery biscuit, yeah. Just thanks. enjoy. Thank you. There's only, <laughs> there's only two more things to do. <laughs> the first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Kenny? Um, no, we are Good. admirers of magic, but not wizards. Don't. Close enough, I suppose that'll do. And the second thing is to say goodbye, so it's a goodbye from Kenny. Say goodbye, Kenny. Goodbye, Kenny. Oh, goodbye. Every time. Every single time. It's like I'm, it's like I'm <laughs> instructing you to say it. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll6s.com. If you're in Glasgow and you fancy playing some games, go along to the Dice Roll Cafe. Yeah. There you go. That's just that's I'm the worst hit. song in the middle. All right, pal. And until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. A wizard is never late. <laughs> Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm.